0: Well, I also want to welcome you uh, here, those who are here at our 930 Cornerstone service, those who are at the Well and the Well Cafe today, uh, thrilled that you are here with us. If we have not met, my name is David. Uh, I serve as the senior pastor here, and I'm excited to begin this new series with you. Before we dive in, I want to share a word of invitation with you for a special event we're going to have this afternoon from 2 to 4 p.m. Carmen McMillan and I are hosting uh, an open house at the new location, uh, the new thrift store location for the West. Mission Center. Uh, uh, Many of you know that the Mission Center is uh, just a few weeks away from opening a new and expanded uh, retail space uh, for their ministry. It's at the corner of Walnut Creek and Broad Street. And uh, we would love for our church family to come meet us over there, uh, see that new space, uh, uh, celebrate this new chapter in this incredible ministry, and as we do so, uh, also celebrate the the, the faith and the witness of of this church family that, that really gave birth to this ministry. And so uh, that's today, again, 2 to 4 p.m. at that new location. And, And here's the other thing. If you have some bags of clothes or other donations that you've been thinking about bringing to the Mission Center, bring them today. Because if you do, it's one less bag they have to move from the current location to the new location. They will greatly appreciate that. And again, great blessing to the Mission Center. Hope you'll stop by uh, and see that. Be excited about uh, the new future that's about to begin. Uh, We're beginning a new series uh, here in the season of Lent. Lent is a time for us where we walk with Jesus to the cross. Uh, We do so remembering the words of Jesus where he said, uh, if you want to follow me, you got to take up your own cross uh, and do that. Uh, We think about Our own lives and what we might need to do, what Christ might call us to do uh, as we seek to be more uh, fully devoted disciples of Jesus. And we're doing that this year uh, by reading through the Gospel of Mark. So if you have not picked up one of these bookmarks yet, I want to encourage you to do so. You can do it at any one of our connecting points after the service. It has the 40 day reading plan uh, that we'll be following. We'd love our entire church family to read through the Gospel of Mark uh, all together uh, as we move through this, uh, this special series. Uh, know that if you haven't started yet, some of you are thinking, oh, I'm already behind. I just got here. How can I already be behind? You can catch up in about 10 minutes uh, this afternoon. So uh, this week we read Mark chapter 1, verse 1 through chapter 2, uh, verse 12. So not, not a lot of reading. Uh, again, you can do that in about 10 minutes. would love for you to join us uh, as we begin this, uh, begin this journey. Today I want to encourage you to turn to Mark chapter 1. Uh, and in the blue Bibles that we have available for you in all of our worship spaces, you can find Mark 1 on page 1550. Uh, As we read and as we share uh, this series, I I do want to invite you to do so with the sense of, of what you just heard in that opening video. That we are listening to the witness of one who dared to claim that the tragedy of the cross was not the end of this story. Uh, Mark was, among many others, one who who had that claim, who shared that claim. It's the reason that he recorded this story. Mark was not one of the original disciples of Jesus. Uh, Mark was rather uh, one of the early traveling companions of the Apostle Paul, also with, uh, with Barnabas on one of his first missionary journeys. And then later on in life, uh, Mark spent the majority of his ministry working with Peter, uh, one of the disciples Uh, who who probably spent more time with Jesus than any of the others. And so uh, as you read, you're listening not only to the witness of Mark, the way in which uh, Christ had changed his own life, but you're also listening to the way in which he recorded the firsthand account that Peter would have shared with him. And he would have heard Peter share with many audiences over the course uh, of his own ministry. And so uh, this is more than just words on a page. These are words of life uh, that are meant to, to come alive for us. And I hope that that will happen for you uh, as we move through this. If you've already been a part of this reading, uh, you have noticed that that Mark just kind of dives into the story. Uh, There's no nice story about shepherds and wise men, Bethlehem, and no room at the end. We we begin with the ministry of John the Baptist. And the ministry of John the Baptist, which is prepare the way for Christ, there is a rapid pace to Mark's gospel. He moves very quickly from episode to episode. He is the most concise of the gospel writers, which means that his gospel is the shortest of the four. That is encouraging for some of you as you think about reading the entire thing. Uh, But as you read through and as you consider the pace at which he writes, part of what I think Mark wants us to feel as we move through the stories, he wants us to feel a sense of urgency. He he wants us to feel uh, his, his conviction that there is something happening in the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus that cannot be ignored. It is an interruption to the life that you are living right now. It is a story that demands your attention because it is God at work in the world through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And what we see, we'll see first today, what we'll see is that this is what the ministry of Jesus is for many people who encounter him. It's a dramatic interruption. It's an interruption that leads them at times to make uh, really radical decisions about their future. Uh, People who, uh, before meeting Jesus, were, were heading one way and they begin moving in a whole different way. And that sense of urgency that that we see, that interruption, you are meant to feel that as you read through uh, this, again, very concise account of of the ministry of Jesus. So we're going to begin in verse 14 uh, with our passage for today. Uh, And again, Just notice how quickly we're moving through the story. So beginning in verse 14, uh, the first thing you might notice is that the ministry of John the Baptist is really transitioning out of the main focus of the story. We're moving to the ministry of Jesus. Verse 14 says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, Simon is another name for Peter, the disciple I just told you about, and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And once they left their nets and followed him. When they had gone a little further, he he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So again, a story that moves at a rapid pace, uh, an interruption in the lives of people, people who make really big decisions about their future. Uh, on Tuesday of this week, I'm leaving with a group from our church uh, to go to the Holy Land. And On Thursday, we'll be at the scene uh, of this particular event. I wanna show you a couple of pictures from previous trips just to give you a sense of, of what this is. It's called the Sea of Galilee in the scriptures. It's actually not a sea. It's a really, really large lake. Uh, but the, the Sea of Galilee sort of mimics the ocean or the, the sea in the sense that because of the mountains and the valleys that surround it, winds that come over the mountains and through the valleys do stir up the waters in such a way that you'll see large waves coming into the shore. We read about many of the storms uh, that happen uh, on the Sea of Galilee when Jesus and the disciples are, are sailing across that really large uh, body of water. Uh, this trip is, is one that has special meaning for me. This is my third trip trip, Uh, but this trip I'm taking my 14-year-old daughter with me which is pretty exciting. So for many months, as you can imagine, we've been preparing for this. We've been talking about all the things that she needs to get and, and take with her. And her excitement for the trip was on an upward trajectory for, for quite some time until we hit a bit of a speed bump in that. It was kind of this moment of pause of, oh no. And it wasn't what you might think it, it, it would have been. It wasn't because she was gonna miss two weeks of school. She was evidently totally okay with that, okay? No worries. I'll be fine, Dad, no big deal. That was totally cool with her. It wasn't because uh, she got nervous about flying to Israel or it wasn't because she heard how long it takes to actually get there, how long you're going to be sitting on the plane. It was, it was none of those things that, that may give you pause as you think about taking a trip like that. It was when she found out that there were baggage restrictions on international travel. That's when she went, what? Because for her, she brings 50 pounds worth of stuff to an overnight stay at a friend's house in Mansfield. So how, how in the world, from her perspective, how am I going to travel so far? How am I going to be gone for so long and yet take so little? I mean, one check back, 50 pounds, carry on. Dad, what am I going to do? This is crazy. Got, I need more stuff than this. It was. I mean, she was thinking about staying home because there was so much stuff that she thought, I gotta bring to to be a part of this this trip. And what I want you to think about as as we look here at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, again, we've just started. We're in verse 14 of chapter one. And yet already you're beginning to see that there's a similar challenge that Jesus offers in his ministry. That, that, That you have to make a decision about what you're gonna bring with you if you're gonna follow Jesus, but you also have to make a decision. Just like we all have to make a decision, if you ever made a significant journey in your life, you gotta decide what you're gonna bring. But you also gotta decide what it is that you're gonna leave behind. So, so look with me at what, where we see that. Beginning in verse 15, Jesus uses this word that some of us think, oh man, I don't wanna hear that word, that sounds so, that's just a big church word. The word repent. You need to repent. Some of you are thinking, "Oh, I don't want to." I've heard that sermon. I don't want to hear that again. You need to repent because maybe you hear that in an overly judgmental way. That uh, that, that anyone who would share that word with you, what they're saying is, "You got to stop being so dumb. You got to figure out your life. You you got to you got to stop doing this. You got to do something else. You got to repent, you bad terrible person." But that's actually not. That's not really what the word originally meant. The the word that Mark uses here, the word that Jesus used, really literally translates as to turn around. You might think of it as as, as a challenge to, to let go some of your old assumptions and beliefs to to be able to release your grip on uh, some of uh, what what you know in your life right now in order to experience and think about something brand new it, it's it's turning in a new direction it's it's you're heading this way this way and you you actually need to head in a in a whole in a whole different way it's a radical reorientation of your entire life uh, let me see if this makes any sense to you. Uh, have y'all ever been to any one of those places in the world where they drive on the wrong side of the road? You know what I'm talking about? And it is the wrong side of the road. Okay. So don't get offended because they drive on the left side of the road. So it can't be the right side of the road, right? It's the wrong side of the road. They, they drive on the wrong side of the road. So I had some friends who uh, several years ago, they lived in a place where they drove on the wrong side of the road. Uh, they lived there quite some time, came home at Christmas and I'm driving around with him uh, in America, where we drive on the right side of the road. And and he'd lived there his whole life, but he'd been there for a year, and and we get to an intersection and and he's paralyzed. Like, which way do I turn? What do I do? Because it's such a radical reorientation of your life to go from driving on the wrong side of the road to driving on the the right side. That's kind of what we mean by repent. I mean, it changes everything. It's inviting you to see and experience the world in a whole new way. This is the challenge that Jesus brings. And if you need a more clear expression of that, then just look at what these four men do. Jesus comes and invites them to come and follow him, and they, they do. Now, in this area of, of Israel. The, everyone who lived up here, there was no wealthy people in the northern part of uh, of Israel. Anyone who was a part of the elite, uh, they lived down south, closer to Jerusalem or Jericho area. In this area of Israel at the time, it, at best, you had a trade that, that allowed you to live at what we might consider to be just above the poverty line. And being a commercial fisherman was actually one of those trades. It was a pretty good gig for anyone who had it there in in that area. And in the case of James and John, Mark makes this even more clear. Zebedee, their father, he's got the family business. His business is such that he actually has hired people to come and work with him in this business. This business that one day would be a business that was given to James and John. And yet, again, in, in the instance of all four of these men, they leave behind the only security they have ever known in order to follow Jesus. It's a radical, radical, life-changing, life-altering decision. It's leaving behind an entire future in order to pursue an entirely different kind of life. If you know the story of Israel, this this should actually ring a bell for you because if we go all the way back to the first book of the Bible, where the story of Israel really begins uh, with with the person who is known as the father of the Israelites. Genesis chapter 11 says this, verse 31, Terah took his son Abram, remember that Abram will one day become Abraham, his grandson Lot, his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of his son Abram, together they set out for the land of Canaan. You may know that Canaan will eventually be referred to as the promised land, Canaan is, Well, it's the pictures that I just showed you. That's where Terah was supposed to bring his family, but at the end of verse 31, it says this, but when they came to Haran, they settled there. We don't know why, but for some reason, Terah thought, well, this is good enough. We're just going to stay here. But then chapter 12, verse 1, listen to the call that, that the Lord brings to Abraham. The Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And the beginning of verse 4, simply says this, so Abram went. God's beginning something brand new. But for Abram to be a part of it, for Abram to be the, the first person who, who is a part of this new thing that God is doing in the world, first he has to leave behind the old life that he'd been living. For this to happen, I need you to leave everything. The place you've known, the place that your father has established a house, and, and I need you to go to a new place because i'm doing a new thing the gospel the ministry of jesus following jesus the call that he offers it demands of us that we do some really hard work jesus comes as a dramatic interruption into the life of the people that he encounters it's, it's like, uh, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but, but it's like being awakened by someone throwing a, a whole bucket of cold water on you. It's a shock. It's like someone's getting right up in your face and snapping their fingers and saying, wake up. It, it's that moment when the thunder claps so loud that we cannot help but just pause. That's what the ministry of Jesus is like for so many who encounter him. It's a challenge that says to us, life can't be the same anymore because God is doing a new thing and God is calling us out of old ways and an old life. It's a journey. And like all journeys that we go on, it's a journey that requires us to do two things to determine what it is that we need to bring with us, but what it is we got to leave behind. What is it that's not going to fit in the suitcase that, that, that you got to let go of if you're going to get out of the boat and you're going to follow Jesus? So we begin a a journey with Jesus to the cross this year. We, we, over the course of these weeks, we retell for ourselves the story. We think about our own lives. And we want to challenge ourselves to be interrupted again by Jesus. And to be interrupted in such a way that we would be forced to ask ourselves some really hard questions. Is there something in your life that you need to leave behind? Is there something in your life that, that is a barrier for you in the life that God would call you to lead? Is there a weight that you're carrying right now that that you can't take the next step that God wants you to take until you let that weight go? Is there something that that the Holy Spirit would identify in your life this needs to change? Because if it doesn't, there's You're stuck. You're not going where Jesus wants you to go. Now, what might that be in your life? I have no idea. But let me offer you a couple thoughts of what it might be. It might be a behavior in your life. It could be a behavior that you are doing, or it could be a behavior that you've said, I'm not doing that. It could be an addiction that you have in your life that you've not been set free of. It, it could be a pattern of response that you have to a relationship or to a situation in your life. You find yourself over and over again at the same place. And over and over again, you think, why can't everybody else figure this out? But maybe it's that own, your own pattern of response that needs to change. It could be a behavior. It could be a belief. It could be a belief that you have about God could be a belief about your, uh, who you see God as, how you understand God's heart and God's character. And as you move through the Gospel of Mark, what God might impress upon you is to look at Jesus. Look at Jesus if you want to know who God really is. Or maybe it's a belief about what God can do in your life. It's something that you've thought, well, that would be nice, but God's not going to do that for me the limit that you've placed on God and what you believe God can do in your life could be a belief about yourself about the value that you have about what you are capable of doing about what your life could really be could be a belief that you have about somebody else could be a burden that you have in your life could be a worry or a fear that you've been carrying for too long it's wearing you out could be a pain that hasn't been healed a conflict that hasn't been resolved it could be so many things. It could be expressed in what you find yourself saying over and over again. Here, let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, it c- could be expressed when, in, when you say, I could never do that. That's, what's, that's what other people do, but I could never do that. This will never change in my life. This is never going to get better. I could never let this go. I don't know who I would be without this. I am what I am. This is the best that I can do. This is all my life will ever be. A limit on what you have determined your life can be or will be. A limit that you have consistently shared with God. Hear this, what Christ might be calling you to give up this Lent is in fact not chocolate. But maybe what Christ would bid that you give up is the limits that you have placed on your life. The boundary of your own comfort and your own security, saying, God, do whatever it is you want to do in my life in the scope of this area right here. This is what I'm comfortable with. This is as far as I want to go. And what Jesus would say to you is, I want to get you out of that boat. I want to get you out of that boat. Have you experienced that in your life? Have you come to a place where where you just felt like you were negotiating with God, this is is all I want my life to be? And yet God was saying, come on, we're going to take another step, we're going to take another step because the plans and hopes and dreams that I have for you, they're bigger than that. They will require more than just your skills, your gifts, the things you're comfortable with, but faith. To truly follow where Jesus would lead you. So as we move through these weeks, I want you to enjoy the story. I want you to, to approach it with fresh insight. I want you to, to hear and see the way in which the, Jesus interrupts the lives of the people that he encounters, the way in which his teaching and healing ministry brings transformation in their life. But I also want you to allow Jesus to challenge you to think about where you might need to let something go in order to follow Jesus. Now some today you may think to yourself, I need to think about that. I don't know what that is. Maybe it is a belief that I have about myself. Maybe, Maybe I am putting limitations on my life. I hadn't thought about that. Maybe... Maybe there is something this pattern of response. Maybe that's why that relationship always comes back to the place where it is. Maybe it is that fear that I have. Maybe I need to think about that in a different way. You may not know what that is, but I know that there's some of you here, you know exactly what it is because you knew what it was when you heard this sermon the last time. It's the same thing. It's come up over and over and over again. But you haven't let it go. And if that's where you are today, if you already know, if it's immediate, the thought that comes to mind, that's not a coincidence. That's the work of the Holy Spirit saying this is something that needs to change. This is something I want you to let go of. This is something that is holding you back. And I would just encourage you, if you're at that place where you know what it is, I would encourage you to think about it this way. Uh, Roll the tape forward to the end of your life and imagine what you will regret if that never changes. Imagine all the things that you might miss in your life if you're never willing to give that up, to step out of the boat and to walk with Jesus. Think about all the blessings, think about all the challenges, think about everything that you will miss, all the regrets that you'll have if you don't take that step of faith, following the lead of the Holy Spirit and saying to Jesus, I want to follow you wherever it is you would call me to go. The ministry of Jesus is an interruption. So as we move through these weeks, may we be people of faith who would allow Jesus to interrupt and transform our lives. Let's pray. God, we do pray that you would give us fresh insight as we read this story. Perhaps some of us for the first, first time, some of us, Lord, a story we've read many times before. We come to encounters that, we've, uh, that we know about. We, we think about the healing that, that Christ brings. We, we hear again his teaching, but Lord, allow us to hear it. Allow us to hear it for the first time. Allow it to to shock us and allow it, Lord, to do in us what what you would have it do. Lord, we pray that, that these will be more than just words on the page, that they will be for us words of life as we move through this season and that you would also give us a sensitivity to your spirit at work in our own lives, leading us and guiding us and helping us to see what our next step might be. Lord, I want to pray especially for all those here this weekend who may feel stuck. That maybe today there would be a new thought, a new insight, a new way of understanding of why that might be. And for all of us, Lord, that you would give us the faith to do what we must do to get out of the boat and follow you.